0: From the depths of our nightmares to the haunting of the witching hour.
1: We present to you Crazy Hexy Ghoul. I'm Kelly. And I'm Marlo. So come and join us
0: as we obsess over ghosties and shit. Did you just say ghosties and shit? Hell yeah, I did. You guys, shit's about to get real.
1: My story is called the Hill Abduction, and it is also referred to as Zeta Reticuli Incident. Have you heard of it? I have it. It was mainly called that because the star map shown to Betty Hill could possibly be the Zeta Reticuli System. And according to Google, it is a wide binary star system in the southern constellation of Reticulum. From the southern hemisphere, the pair can be seen with the naked eye as a double star in very dark skies. Based upon parallax measurements, this system is located at a distance of about 39.3 light years, which is 12 parsecs from Earth. They belong to the Zeta Hercules moving group of stars that share a common origin. So the Hill Abduction is about Barney and Betty Hill, and they were an American couple who claimed that they were abducted by extraterrestrial in small town Lancaster, New Hampshire. And apparently, it was one of the first popular alien abductions in the United States. It pretty much got a lot of coverage. The alleged UFO sighting happened about 10.30 p.m. September 19, 1961. They'd been on vacation in Montreal, Quebec, and they also went to Niagara Falls. When traveling down Route 3, Betty claimed to be looking up at stars in the sky and observed a bright light. At first glance, she stated that she thought it was a falling star, but it moved upward. It also moved erratically, and it slowly became much brighter. Betty then told her husband Barney to pull over at a rest stop so they could get a better look. She then pulled out her binoculars, and she observed an odd-shaped craft flashing multicolored lights moving its way over the moon. Betty thought she saw a flying saucer, and years prior to this incident, Betty's sister also claimed to see a flying saucer. Barney, on the other hand, thought it was just a commercial airline. After a few minutes, he quickly changed his mind because the craft rapidly descended in his direction. What he thought was a plane was, in fact, not a plane at all. The Hills explained that they had continued driving on the isolated road, moving very slowly through the Notch, which is a park, to observe the object as it came even closer. At one point, the object passed over a restaurant in a signal tower on top of Canyon Mountain. It came out near the old man of the mountain. Betty testified that it was at least one and a half times the length of the granite cliff profile, which was 40 feet, which is 12 meters long, and that it seemed to be rotating. The couple then watched as the silent, illuminated craft moved erratically back and forth into the night. About one mile south of Indian Head, they said the object rapidly descended toward their vehicle, causing Barney to stop in the middle of the highway. The huge, silent craft hovered 80 to 100 feet, which is 24 to 30 meters, above the hill's 1957 Chevrolet Bel Air and filled the entire field of view in the windshield. It reminded Barney of a huge pancake.
0: (laughs) Mm. Someone was hungry. He was hungry.
1: Carrying his pistol in his pocket, he stepped away from the vehicle and he moved closer to the object. Using the binoculars, Barney claimed to have seen 8 to 12 humanoid figures who were peeing. Nope.
0: <laughs> they were what?
1: <laughs> who were peering out of the craft's windows.
0: <laughs> no. Let's re that one.
1: They were peeing out of the window.
0: Those kinky motherfuckers. <laughs> Those kinky
1: ass motherfucking aliens. <laughs>
0: Just like Mars.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Barney claimed to have seen 8 to 11 humanoid figures who were peering out of the craft's windows, seeming to look at him. In unison, all but one figure moved to what appeared to be a panel on the rear wall of the hallway that encircled the front portion of the craft. The one remaining figure continued to look at Barney and communicate a message telling him to stay where you are and keep looking. Barney had a recollection of observing the humanoid forms wearing glossy black uniforms and black caps. Red lights on what appeared to be batwing fins began to telescope out of the sides of the craft and a long structure descended from the bottom of the craft. The silent craft approached to what Barney estimated was within 50 to 80 feet, which is 15 to 24 meters, overhead and 300 feet, which is 91 meters, away from him. On October 21st, 1961, Barney reported to National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomenon, which is in ICAP, Investigator Walter Webb, that the beings were somehow not human.
0: There's a bird. There's a Sorry. bird. Sorry. You guys hear the bird. We'll leave it in. Good ambiance.
1: Barney tore the binoculars away from his eyes and ran back to his car. In a near hysterical state, he told Betty, they're going to capture us. They're going to capture us. I assume that's what he sounded like. He's more deep and guttural.
0: I think that's accurate. Well, you never know. He might not have a deep (laughs) voice, so that's okay. They're gonna capture us!
1: (laughs) (laughs) He saw the object again shift its location to directly above the vehicle. He drove away as fast as he could, telling Betty to look for the object. She rolled down the window and looked up. Almost immediately, the hills heard a rhythmic series of beeping or buzzing sounds which they said seemed to bounce off of the trunk of their vehicle. The car vibrated, and a tingling sensation passed through the hill's bodies. The hills said that they had experienced the onset of an altered state of consciousness that left their minds dulled. A second series of beeping and buzzing sounds returned to the couple's consciousness. They found that they had traveled nearly 35 miles, which is 56 kilometers south, but only had vague, spotty memories of this section of the road. They recalled making a sudden, sharp, unplanned turn, encountering a roadblock and observing a fiery orb in the road.
0: A fiery orb? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Arriving home at about dawn, the Hills assert that they had some odd sensations and impulses that they could not really explain. Betty insisted their luggage be kept near the back door, rather than the main part of the house. Their watches would never work again. Barney said that the leather strap on his binoculars was torn, though he could not recall it tearing. The toes of his best dressed shoes were scraped. Barney says he was compelled to examine his genitalia in the bathroom, though he found nothing unusual. They took long showers to remove possible contamination and each drew a picture of what they had observed. The Hills say they tried to reconstruct the chronology of events as they witnessed the UFO and drove home. But immediately after they heard the buzzing sound, their memories became incomplete and fragmented. After sleeping for a few hours, Betty awoke and placed the shoes and clothing she had worn during the drive into her closet, observing that the dress was torn at the hem, the zipper, and the lining. Later, when she retrieved the item from her closet, she noted a pinkish powder on her dress. She hung the dress on her clothesline and the pink powder blew away, but the dress was irreparably damaged. She threw it away, but then changed her mind, retrieved the dress, and hung it in her closet. I probably would too. Yeah. I'd be like, I need to see this. I'd need to hold on to this.
0: Good for her. Cause like yes. she can get it tested and uh-huh. checked out. Good for her.
1: Over the years, five laboratories have conducted chemical and forensic analysis on the dress. There were tiny concentric circles on their car's trunk that had not been there the previous day. Betty and Barney experimented with the compass, noting that when they moved it close to the spots, the needle would whirl rapidly. But when they moved it a few inches away from the shiny spots, it would just drop down. Ten days after the alleged UFO encounter, Betty began having a series of vivid dreams. They continued for five successful nights. She said that she'd never had dreams like this before and that they were so vivid they seemed real. So after five nights, they just stopped abruptly and they never returned. But she did say that it occupied her mind all the time. When she tried to mention them to Barney, he was sympathetic, but he wasn't too concerned about it. In November of 1961, Betty began writing down the details of her dreams, and in one dream, she and Barney encountered a roadblock and men surrounded their car. She lost consciousness but struggled to regain it. Then she realized that she was being forced by two small men to walk into a forest at night and of seeing Barney walking behind her. When she called out to him, he seemed to be in a trance or sleepwalking. The men stood about five feet to five feet four inches tall and wore matching blue uniforms with caps similar to the one worn by military cadets. They appeared nearly human with black hair, dark eyes, prominent noses, and blushed lips. Their skin was a grayish color. In the dreams, Betty, Barney, and the men walked up a ramp into a disc-shaped craft of metallic appearance. Once inside, Barney and Betty were separated. She protested and was told by a man she called the leader that if she and Barney were examined together, it would take them much longer to conduct the exams. She and Barney were taken to separate rooms. Betty then dreamt that a new man, similar to the others, entered to conduct her exam with the leader. Betty called this new man the examiner. She said he had a pleasant, calm manner about him. Though the leader and the examiner spoke to her in English, The examiner's command of the language seemed imperfect and she had difficulty understanding him. The examiner told Betty that he would conduct a few tests to note the differences between humans and the craft's occupants. He seated her on a chair, and then a bright light was shown into her eyes. The man cut off a lock of Betty's hair. He examined her eyes, her ears, her mouth, her teeth, throat, and hands. He saved trimmings of her fingernails. After examining her legs and feet, the man used a dull knife similar to a letter opener to scrape some of her skin onto what resembled cellophane. He then tested her nervous system and he thrusted the needle into her navel, which caused Betty agonizing pain. Whereupon the leader waved his hands in front of her eyes and the pain vanished. The examiner left the room and Betty engaged in conversation with the leader. She picked up a book with rows of strange symbols that the leader said that she could take home with her. She also asked from where he came, and he pulled down an instruction map dotted with stars. In Betty's dream account, the men began escorting the hills from the ship when a disagreement broke out. The leader then informed Betty that she couldn't keep the book, stating that they had decided that the other men did not want her to remember the encounter. Betty insisted that no matter what they did to her memory, she would one day recall the events. She and Barney were taken to their car, where they wait to watch the craft's departure. They did so, then resumed their drive. They were interviewed by NICAP members, C.D. Jackson and Robert E. Holman, and I'm assuming it was anything and everything that they could remember, right? figure out what happened, if it really happened, if they were credible, blah, blah, blah. And one of them suggested that Barney undergo hypnotherapy. You know, they had actually come out to their church about it and spoke about what happened. And they also suggested that maybe hypnotherapy would also be the best. So that's what Barney did. And this is what happened.
0: I want to make a guess about what happens. Um, My guess is he had sex with an alien. (gasps)
1: So Barney was, in fact, hypnotized by someone named Benjamin Simon.
0: Did they play a game of Simon says? Oh, God.
1: (laughs) So they were both hypnotized by Benjamin Simon, and these are their sessions.
0: Oh, so she was hypnotized, (laughs) too. Yes, so
1: we've got Barney, Betty, and then it says Simon's conclusions. And then I'll read those off. Barney's sessions. Simon hypnotized Barney first. His recall of witnessing non-human figures was quite emotional, punctuated with expression of fear, emotional outburst, and incredulity. Barney said that due to his fear, he kept his eyes closed for much of the abduction and physical examination. Based on these early responses, Simon told Barney that he would not remember the hypnosis sessions until he was certain he could remember them without being further traumatized. Under hypnosis, as was consistent with a conscious recall, Barney reported that the binocular strap had broken when he ran from the UFO back to his car. He recalled driving the car away from the UFO, but that afterwards he felt irresistibly compelled to pull off the road and drive into the woods. He eventually sighted six men standing in the dirt road. The car stalled and three of the men approached the car. They told Barney not to fear them. However, he was still anxious and he reported that the leader told Barney to close his eyes. While hypnotized, Barney said, I feel like their eyes had pushed into my eyes. Barney described the beings as generally similar to Betty's hypnotic, not dream, recollection. The beings often stared into his eyes, said Barney, with terrifying, mesmerizing effect. Under hypnosis, Barney said things like, oh, those eyes, and they're there in my brain. I was told to close my eyes because I saw two eyes coming close to mine, and I felt like the eyes had pushed into my eyes. And I'm not even afraid that they're not connected to a body. They're just there. They're just up close to me, pressing against my eyes. Barney related that he and Betty were taken onto the disc-shaped craft where they were separated. He was escorted to a room by three of the men and told to lie on a small rectangular exam table. Barney's narrative of the exam was fragmented. He continued to keep his eyes closed for most of the exam. A cup-like device was placed over his genitalia he then experienced an orgasm though barney thought that a sperm sample had been taken the men scraped his skin and peered in his eyes and mouth a tube or cylinder was inserted into his anus and quickly removed someone felt his spine and seemed to be counting his vertebrae while betty reported a conversation with the leader in english barney said that he'd heard them speaking in a mumbling language he didn't understand betty also mentioned this detail The few times they communicated with him, Barney said it seemed to be a thought transfer, which I've heard that before. At the time, he was unfamiliar with the word telepathy. Both Betty and Barney stated they hadn't observed the beings' mouths moving when they communicated in English with him. He recalled being escorted from the ship and taken to his car. In a daze, he watched the ship leave. Barney remembered a light on the road, and he said, Oh no, not again. He recalled Betty's speculation that the light might have been the moon, though the moon had set several hours earlier. He also stated that the attempt to produce the code-like buzzing sounds, which seemed to strike the car's trunk a second time, by driving from side to side and stopping and staring at the vehicle, his attempt was unsuccessful. So that's Barney's session. That's what they got out of that.
0: I knew there was sex stuff involved.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it kind of... Him checking his genitals was like a prelude to that. Yeah. Right? But at what capacity? We didn't really know. Yeah. Do you want to hear Betty's sessions now?
0: I would love to hear Betty's sessions. In her dream, it sounds like she's pretty chill with all of it. So... Yeah.
1: Betty's sessions. Under hypnosis, Betty's account was similar to her five dreams about the UFO abduction. There were some notable differences, mainly pertaining to her capture and release, Also, the technology on the craft was different. The short men differed significantly in physical appearance, and the sequential order of the abduction differed. Barney and Betty's memories in hypnotic regression were, however, consistent with one another. Betty exhibited considerable emotional distress when recounting her capture and examination. Simon ended one session early because tears were flowing down her cheeks. Simon gave Betty the post-hypnotic suggestion that she could sketch a copy of the star map that she later described as a three-dimensional projection similar to a hologram. Even though the map she saw had many stars, she drew only those that stood out in her memory. Her map consisted of 12 prominent stars connected by lines and three lesser ones that formed a distinctive triangle. She said she was told the stars were connected by solid lines formed trade routes, whereas dashed lines were the less traveled stars. Interesting. So Betty's sessions were basically like what she said. They were very close. There were some minor details, but enough to be like, Betty saw some shit like they saw some shit. So Benjamin Simon, the one who hypnotized them, has a conclusion as to like what he thinks of their sessions. After the hypnosis sessions, Simon speculated that Barney's recollection of the UFO encounter was possibly a fantasy inspired by Betty's dreams. Ooh, Lord. Simon thought it was the most reasonable and considerable explanation. Barney rejected the idea, noting that while their memories were consistent in some regards, there were also portions of both their narratives that were unique to each other. Barney was now ready to accept that they had been abducted by the occupants of a UFO, though he never embraced it as fully as Betty did. Though the Hills and Simon disagree about the cause of their distress, They all concurred that the hypnosis sessions were effective. The Hills were no longer tormented by abduction anxiety when the series of hypnosis sessions were complete. Simon wrote an article about the Hills for the Journal of Psychiatric Opinion, explaining his conclusion that the case was a singular psychological aberration. Man, what do you think about that? What do you think about Simon's conclusion to their, uh, their sessions?
0: So let me get it straight. So Simon's pretty much saying that He's gaslighting them. Yeah. To a degree. They're kind of making it up. Um, It's all kind of happening because of Betty's dreams that she had. And they're going off of Mm -hmm. that. I don't think that's... I mean, it's possible. It's very possible. Yeah. I don't think necessarily that it's accurate. Just because there's stuff that they didn't talk about in the beginning. That they probably haven't talked about to each other. That they kind of cooperated. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: I mean, I don't think Barney really wanted to admit that it was true. Betty, of course. But then eventually Barney was like, okay, I cannot deny this anymore. Like he came to terms with it after the hypnosis. Yeah. Yeah. So that says a lot. Yeah. You know, and this was like back in the day when like... mm -hmm men were tough and they didn't believe in shit like that and right
0: men can't be victims exactly
1: of some shit like
0: that yeah at the same time the mind is a very powerful thing so it's very likely that their brains made similar conclusions that's true um i don't think there's really any way to know truly there is no evidence like tangible evidence right there's nothing that we can hold in our hands or that we can see visibly Mm -hmm. or That marks that, yes, this is exactly what happened. Obviously, something traumatic happened. Obviously, yeah. But of
1: what? We'll probably never know. So something you may not know about Betty and Barney Hill is that they were the couple that inspired Asylum. You know, remember the guy that was like abducted by aliens mm-hmm. or whatever? It was supposed to be loosely based on Betty and Barney Hill.
0: I can see that.
1: And in the TV show, they're like biracial uh-huh. and they are they are a biracial couple. Really? Barney's black and Betty is white.
0: Oh, I didn't know um, that.
1: Yeah. Uh, but they switched it in the TV show for some yeah. reason. Psychiatrists later suggested that the supposed abduction was a hallucination brought on by the stress of being an interracial couple in the early nineteen sixties in the United States. Yeah. Which is a bunch of fucking crap.
0: Unless something, just to discredit
1: them again.
0: Right. You know? Unless something happened specifically uh-huh. because they were a biracial couple. Like, if mm. there was a bunch of like white supremacists trying to harm them yeah. or which is, po- I mean, that's possible. That's in the realm of possibilities. Yeah. And that their mind just didn't want to accept it and that mm-hmm. they went to something else. Yep. But, you know, who knows?
1: Who knows? Honestly, we Honestly, don't know. I'd that's rather, the thing.
0: Yeah, I'd rather believe them than not. But
1: I don't think Betty and Barney Hill are alive anymore.
0: I mean, if they were in their 20s, well, they still could they be. they were
1: born. Barney Hill was born in 1921.
0: Nineteen twenty-two. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, he'd be 100.
1: He died. Okay, so they both died. Ooh, check this out. Barney died when he was 46 years old. Whoa. So he only died a few years after this happened. Oh, that's sad. Huh. So there may be some weight to what you said about, you know, the discrimination against him. Who knows? Yeah.
0: I want to find out how he died. God. I feel like, like so every abduction every abduction story that I hear people die of like either natural causes or what could be considered natural causes but kind of early or yeah like cancer.
1: So Betty Hill died in 2004.
0: So she lived a pretty
1: long life. She did. Yeah. And this happened so this happened in 1961 and he died in 1969. So just 8 years okay. after.
0: I'm trying to see. It doesn't say how he died. That is so weird. Yeah. I, bet if, I wonder if it's on Wikipedia. Is Barney Hill? <clears throat> yes.
1: It just says that he died February 25th, 1969. It doesn't say exactly how. He was a civil rights leader. Oh, I bet. He was a very prominent person. Yeah. Um, he's... He is best known for his work on To Tell the Truth in 1956, The Michael Douglas Show in 1961, the Mufon-Quebec investigation in 2015. Mm. He was married to Betty Hill and Ruby Horn. Oh, so Betty Hill died of lung cancer uh, at the age of 85. Betty Hill, this is so cute. Betty Hill was uh, also known as the first lady of UFOs. I love that pioneering she's just pioneering man how did barney die it really doesn't say if anyone knows how barney hill died from this story could you please like email us let us know so we can do like an update i really want to know um so that is it for my story um i got a lot of my stuff from the wikipedia for them because i feel like it just detailed everything i needed to know and i tried to piece some stuff together and you know try to make it cohesive yeah i read a lot of it i read like their um their i I read their hypnotized sessions straight from from google yeah so hopefully that's accurate information if not i'm sorry please let me know and i will correct it
0: um it was really good i really liked your story
1: thank you I actually really like telling it. You and I usually like stick in the, the lane of like true crime and ghosty stuff. It feels like really good to branch out a little bit, you know? Yeah. I know that in our Oklahoma episode, we did cover a UFO sighting. Um, So if you guys want to refer back to that, because, you know, we try to keep Oklahoma in our podcast since so it's like our fucking history and stuff, you know? Yeah so you refer back to that i don't remember what episode it is i'm so sorry i don't remember, ah, do remember? Uh-uh. <clears throat> good lord i think it was in our first season
0: probably that sounds accurate it sounds accurate, accurate. What it called?
1: the episode is called take me home country road and it's episode 10 in our first season so yeah it's our last episode in the first season that we did yeah pretty dope Thank you guys for listening. Um, Yeah. If you guys have any stories you would like to submit so we can read them on the air. Or
0: if you have any suggestions on what um, you want us to read, even if it's just not your story, it's a story you heard. Yeah.
1: Even if you want it to be like a part of our Patreon, like like a story we should cover in our $3 tier, which is just like all kinds of different short stories and stuff. Yeah. We're like super cool with giving those to you. Please email us at crazyhexigool at gmail.com. We do have a TikTok, which is Crazy Podcast. Find us over there. We have an Instagram as well. Crazy Podcast on Instagram. Follow us. We've got like 60 followers. We need more. We need we need you. So mm-hmm. please do. And until next time, bye. Bye. Ghosties Out.
0: <laughs> I'm leaving
1: that in there. The music in this podcast is by the band The Daddios. This is Kelly. And I'm Arlo. And you're listening to Crazy
0: Hexy Ghoul. We'll see you next time. Is this it? Is this the end? Mm Bye.